Did you know the Texarkana Gazette has a newsletter for every interest? Sign up at texarkanagazette.com slash newsletters to get the news you care about most delivered straight to your email box. You can find out what's happening this weekend, read the week's best feature stories, or catch up on sports scores. Try The Upside, our roundup of good news sure to put a positive spin on your week. There's even an on-the-line newsletter, so you can be sure to never miss the latest episode. And more. Visit texarkanagazette.com slash newsletters to customize how you get news today. That's texarkanagazette.com slash newsletters. Hello and welcome to On the Line. I'm Carl Richter. For this week's episode, Gazette reporter Andrew Bell joined me to interview Krista Henry, boys soccer coach at Texarkana's Pleasant Grove High School. As you'll hear, there's no limit to her passion for the game. We talked about the career path that led her to Texarkana, her plans to build a championship team, and what it's like to be a woman coaching a boys' sport. I think you'll enjoy getting to know one of the newest and most interesting members of the community. Here's our conversation with Coach Krista Henry. With me today is Krista Henry, boys uh, soccer coach at Pleasant Grove High School, and uh, Gazette reporter Andrew Bell. Hi, Andrew. How's it going, Carl? Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. Yes, sir. Uh, take it away, Andrew. So um, we're joined, obviously, with Krista Henry today over at PG, and uh, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate you. Um, and so we just wanted to talk a little bit with Coach Henry kind of about the team over there and her experience and um, kind of what led her to Texarkana. Um, so first off, I was curious, uh, just that last part, kind of uh, where you're from, your background a little bit, and what led you here? So I am originally from Lufkin, Texas. I graduated from Lufkin High School in 2010. And I kind of bounced around a little bit in college as I was playing, but I ended at SFA. And I, a colleague of mine actually introduced me to Coach Henry, the other Coach Henry, who is my husband, he got the football job at Pleasant Grove. So that relocated us from Nacogdoches to Texarkana. I was previously working at Legends Gym on State Line. Shout out, best gym in town. <laughs> and um, and then this job opportunity came up, and Coach Gibson mentioned it to me, and I kind of just jumped on it. I was excited. I was trying to get back into the coaching world. I've always been in that kind of spectrum of, of career throughout my whole life. And um, Annie said boys, and I was like, oh, yeah, definitely doing that. So That's awesome. That's awesome. And um, so you said that you've coached at the collegiate level, mm -hmm. and, and I think you said as strength and conditioning mm -hmm. as well. So what did you kind of mm -hmm. take from those experiences at the collegiate level, and what lessons did you learn there that helped you at the high school level? Yeah, so right when I graduated from Stephen F. Austin, I was a Division three coach for the men's and women's soccer team at ETBU. And then I decided to move to – New Orleans, Louisiana area with my family and 
I was a personal trainer, and then I decided to go back to school to get my master's. So I went back to SFA because my old strength coach was there, and then I kind of got into the working out scene and the training scene, and I decided maybe this is what I kind of want to do. And so I finished my master's. I got my CSCS, which is just a certification for that realm, and um, I got an internship with the strength and conditioning program. And then after that, I worked there for about four years. And really, honestly and truly, I just enjoy the challenge, um, the act, the challenge of not just training, not just working out, but also the kids. And um, honestly, I've just always had a passion for coaching, and that was kind of where it all kicked off. And then it's just kind of gone from there. I was intending on staying at the collegiate level for the rest of my life because I just enjoy it so much. And um, it's a little bit different than high school in a sense that you literally just get to be a coach. A lot of times at the high school level, you have to teach or educate in some form or fashion. But um, once I got this job, I, I've always loved soccer. It's my passion. It's I tell jokingly tell people it's the only thing I've ever really been good at. <laughs> and, um, uh, and once this kind of job opened up, I was just kind of like, yeah, this is what I got to do. And just those experiences have really just been able to shape me because I've seen so many different levels. I've played at the Division One level. I played JUCO, and I played NAIA, so I bounced around a bunch. And then I coached D3, and then I coached D1. So it's given me a lot of different experience with different kinds of athletes and how to work with them specifically to help them understand, help them buy in. And honestly, a lot of the advantages that we have as a team is that we are um, bigger, faster, stronger, especially than a lot of these 4A schools that we do play. Yeah. So that's just kind of been a, a really good asset that I've kind of attained for the guys. And who doesn't like to work out, especially the guys? They love it, so it's <laughs> been good. Awesome, awesome. And being a, a head coach as a woman in a boys' sport is obviously rare. Yeah. I mean, so is that something that you take a lot of pride in? Is that something that's important to you? To be honest with you, I've never done anything else. I've always done – both sides. So when I was at ETBU, I was the men's and women's assistant coach. And then I've been a personal trainer and my clientele has been anyone from the ages of 18 to 60. And it's been males and females. Yeah. And then um, I've done that for a little bit. And then when I got to Stephen F. Austin, I was the intern and I us- I literally helped with all the sports. And then when I got the assistant job there, I was primarily Olympic sports. So basketball, soccer, indoor, beach, volleyball, and softball, and then I was an assistant football. So I've literally always worked with male and female populations. So from an outsider's point of view, it probably does look like it's kind of a thing, but for me, I've literally never done anything different. So it's, and honestly, you you coach the same, you just maybe don't talk the same, if you will. You can kind of be a little bit more assertive. Um, I can be a little bit more demanding, if you will, especially vocally. Um, we all know that females are a little bit, they want to be a little bit nicer. So, um, that kind of, and it really does suit my personality a little bit cause I'm, I'm a pretty intense person. The guys will probably listen to this and be like nodding their heads. Um, <laughs> I'm a pretty intense person, but, um, but that's just, I'm just an all in coach and I require that of, of my guys too. And that's just kind of how, what's worked for me so far. That's really cool. So you, so you feel like it kind of gives you an edge in a sense? Oh, for sure. Um, a lot of people ask me questions like, how does it go? How does it go? And I think I'm a better male coach than a female coach just because of, I think it's just because of my characteristics and personality. I was that type of player that was just, people probably called me a little bit too much, you know, but um, I was kind of outside of the norm when it came to like the female population and I like to work out. I enjoy hurting a little bit. So it kind of, it suits me really well. 
So what was it, um, obviously being into strength and conditioning and stuff, what was it that drew you back into soccer that makes you so passionate about the sport? Um, honestly, just my love for the game. I've literally played two sports my entire life. My first sport that I actually was genuinely successful at was basketball. Um, my freshman year in high school, there was just too much overlap between the two seasons, and I had to had to make a choice. And for some reason, I just decided soccer was the one. And um, my high school team wasn't very good, but I knew that I had the capabilities to kind of get somewhere with that. And I'm just one of those people, and the guys will probably nod their head too when they hear this, but <laughs> I, I love this game. I love soccer. Um, Texas is predominantly football and baseball, but just as they feel about those sports is how I feel about soccer. It's literally been a part of my life since I can remember, and it's something that I just really have been truly, truly <clears throat> passionate about, and I've invested in it. Even when I wasn't playing, I was involved. I'm a big Premier League fan. Things like I watch it on TV all the time. I'm cutting film all the time. It's just generally something that I love, love to do. Cool, cool. And I've talked to coaches, soccer coaches in the area, Coach Cloud over at Texas High, mm-hmm. and she kind of talked a little bit about trying to build a culture for the soccer oh, you yeah. know, programs and stuff in Texarkana. How big is, how important is that to you? Well, I was actually talking to uh, Texas High's men's coach, uh, Zach McCarthy, over mm-hmm. there, and we were just discussing how refreshing it is to see, like, quality soccer come back to this area a lot of the times especially in this part of texas so the dfw the houston area there are a lot more athlete soccer athletes there so the programs are a little bit more successful they're a little bit more well known and there's just a lot more quality there and um seeing actual soccer players become soccer coaches now especially at these smaller schools it's just going to literally take the soccer community and just kind of raise it up because i know we have a club team here. I honestly don't know that much about it. I don't know anyone on the coaching staff, but we were at the Texas high game and it was a really tough loss for us. We played a good game, but Texas high is a really good side Mm -hmm. and all the little club team kids were behind us. And it was like, we were down several goals at this point and they were just going and going and going. And it's, it was really inspiring to see that that's what we have to look forward to. And I think it gets our community and it gets the younger kids excited, makes them want to train, makes them want to train harder, makes them want to train more, makes them want to get more involved. So we'll have soccer camps over the summer that I'll be working one-on-one with Coach Allen with, the girls coach. Mm-hmm. And so it'll, it's just when one, when one comes, it's, we kind of all come with it. And, I mean, it's, it's almost equally like the football community because it is so predominant here. If we can get – the quality of soccer to raise in this town in particular, it's really just going to bleed out. And then hopefully we'll have a lot more kids wanting to be involved and a lot more numbers coming forward. Um, for a 4A <coughs> school, we have a fairly like smaller team. I only have about two to three subs per team, whereas like 5A schools and bigger schools, they could have anywhere from seven to ten yeah. extras on a team. So maybe that can kind of help convince people that, what we're doing is good and that they want to be involved in it. It's, it's kind of hard to want to play for teams that don't really do very well. So, and especially when we have such competitive athletics at Pleasant Grove, our football team is phenomenal. Um, our baseball team is phenomenal and um, our basketball and like track and field and our volleyball team, it's phenomenal. So um, it's, it's kind of like a, we have a little bit to compete with, but if we can get the community excited about it, then we can kind of just all be really invested in it in that way. Yeah. That's really interesting. And, I guess one of the things that um, I guess is it important to or how important is it to have those training opportunities? Because that's one of the things Coach Cloud talks to me about is kids maybe having to go to the DFW area or other areas to train. And how important is it to develop those opportunities here? 
Right. So when I was growing up in Lufkin, the soccer situation was similar to this one. And I ended up not playing for my high school team anymore and decided that I needed to get on a club team. And to be able to get into a solid club team, you have to play for an established club. So I tried out the price for it was more than you could imagine. And I wasn't even playing on the top tier club. And then they were requiring me to drive two and a half hours, three nights a week just to train with them. Mm -hmm. And so if we can get more training opportunities, whether that's installing middle school soccer programs or um, maybe we're not necessarily allowed to for certain UIL rules, but maybe us being a little bit more involved in PGYSA or the club team that's in town, um, maybe we can have a little bit of influence because, I mean, at that level, they have to have coaching licenses. So the coaches that they're putting forward are knowledgeable and they know what they're talking about and what they're doing, but maybe they can come visit some of our practices or just kind of observe and see how we do things so that we can allow for a little bit better progression and have a little bit more influence at the younger stages. So by the time they do get to the high school level, we're not having to so much teach about the actual skill and the technical portions of soccer, but we can progress into the actual tactical things that are involved and how we can progress play and how we can improve as a team instead of having to worry necessarily about individual skill, if you will. Yeah, no, that's awesome. That's really interesting. And um, one of the things I wanted to back up and ask you, so you said that your husband getting the job at PG mm-hmm. is kind of what led you over here, yeah. but he coaches with you at soccer as well, right? Mm-hmm. So He's how, my how, assistant how coach. cool is that? It's been pretty neat. So we got married in July of 2020. We were COVID marriage was very interesting. <laughs> um, and then we ended up moving to Pleasant Grove literally like weeks after that. And um, we, I didn't even know when I was being like offered the job and I was kind of in consideration for it that um, he was going to be my assistant coach. It kind of just worked out because he was moving campuses because he was at the middle school last year and now he's at the high school and he was getting kind of a new position in the educational part. And then Coach Gibson kind of said, well, actually, Preston is his name, could end up being your assistant coach. And I was like, no way, because in football season, like, He's like a ghost. I don't ever see him. By the time he gets home, I'm I'm a early sleeper, early riser. I've always been that way. And he's the opposite. Uh, he doesn't really have a choice because they get in late. They have to go. So um, it's been it's been really fun. We've got to spend a lot of time together. And um, he's he's just like a a coach of all coaches. Like he could literally coach any sport. He's never touched a soccer ball in his life. Um, <laughs> But he's done such a good job to transition into the role and just being like a student of the game all over again. He's also kind of, this is why we get along so well, but he also loves a challenge. He trains, he lifts weights a lot, just like I do. And um, he was just excited to get to learn something new and to challenge himself and to see kind of what he could do and how he can contribute, although he's not as tactical as has a highest soccer IQ like like I do just because I've been playing it my whole life. But it'd also be like me trying to coach football, mm-hmm. which would be interesting <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, well, that is true that, that, you know, some of your coaches obviously are for tactical purposes mm-hmm. and stuff, but you also need those coaches to manage emotions and player personalities right. and stuff. Right, And just because he is male, it gives us a good balance. And um, I call him our juice guy. He's a, he's the guy that would literally, like, run into the locker room and, like, bang literal energy drinks together and, like, chug him pregame. Like, he's insane. He's insane. Wow. Like, he's just, he's just a, a player's coach, and he genuinely loves these kids in – the ability for him to to mold them through building relationships has been really, really honestly really sweet to watch for me because that's just something that he's so good at. He's not just a coach. He's literally like an, a, a mentor kind of for some people in that sense. So it's been cool. 
Yeah, no, I don't know how you wouldn't be motivated by that. I, I don't know either. Together. If you saw him too, he's like six one. He's bald. He has a huge beard, um, and he's just and he's a big guy. He was a D lineman in college, and so when you see just this small dude walking in, just like going, all the kids and the guys love it. They love him. I'm like, sometimes I wish they liked me as much as they like him, but <laughs> there's a reason for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the head coach isn't always the most likable one, uh, but you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely the bad cop. He's a good cop sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. Right. So they've responded to y'all's leadership well though? Surprisingly, yes. So you never know what you're gonna get from fourteen to eighteen year old boys whenever they come in and they're like, uh, it's a lady. <laughs> but um they were so ready for for change and they were so excited to have someone who knew the game and knew the game really well and had experience coaching the game and playing the game. Whenever you couldn't even told them that I was a girl, but whenever they heard that I was a division one athlete and I was a division one strength coach, they immediately were just like, yeah, we're good because they were just excited to be able to be taught and to be coached at a level that they they just hadn't been able to see before. Cause a lot of times, and it's not just at Pleasant Grove, it's everywhere. Like soccer coaches aren't normally soccer players. It's just a second sport for a lot of coaches. So it makes perfect sense. But they were they've been really eager to learn. Um they've been really eager to kind of push themselves and challenge themselves and see where we can go. And the growth we've already made has been incredible, but we still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. And they know that because I have an extremely high standard and it only keeps going up and up and up. And as our as our quality gets better, the bar is set higher. And we're always going to have goals and we're always going to aspire to reach them. And ultimately this year, I'm saying it out loud on record, Pleasant Grove Boys Soccer District Championship. Um, That's the goal. That's the goal. That's what we're looking for. We have an insanely competitive district. Um, Paris and Pittsburgh are both ranked in the top 10 in the region. But I've seen both of them play and we 100% have a chance. I believe they can win the games. We have to play really well because both of those teams are really quality and even uh, Mount Pleasant Chapel Hill has been really good in the past. But um, we definitely have a chance. We just got to go get it. Cool. Well, love the confidence. Yeah. That's awesome. So, uh, Carl, was there anything that um, you kind of wanted to add in on there? Uh, I'm just, I was surprised to hear you say that most uh, soccer coaches do it as sort of a secondary thing. I, I would think, you know, in my lifetime, I've seen soccer really grow in popularity. Yeah. Uh, and so it's just sort of surprising to me that there aren't more right. dedicated uh, soccer coaches like it's you. The, um, it's the world's most popular sport. It's not America's most popular sport. Um, and quality soccer coaches are everywhere, but a lot of the really good ones you're going to see in the, at the collegiate level, at, um, in kind of the, the circuit for professional teams, whether that's the MLS or the NWSL. And a lot of them go coach those club teams. So all those teams I was talking about that people want to play for, that they have to pay a decent amount of money for, a lot of them are going to be kind of in that in that realm. So um, they're there. They're just not as they're just not as kind of popular as they would be in. But in the DFW in the Houston area, they they're definitely there. Um, a lot of them they may be kind of older, but um, there's not a whole lot of young soccer coaches who have a desire to coach soccer at the high school level. Right now, a lot of them, especially the good ones, they go play overseas or they go and try and get to make a professional team, things like that. But um, I think I have one other, two other friends that are doing it, and one of them is uh, a girl I played with, and she's the assistant soccer coach for the girls at PG. Mm-hmm. Um, we played at the NAI school together in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and then another one I, 
I think she's still at the high, at the high school level, but she's in the DFW area, and she was about three years younger than me when I was at SFA. So um, it's just, it's not that it's not popular. It's just not as popular as it would be for a football player to go coach high school football because high school football right now is just at a so, so much higher level than soccer is in Texas. But I do believe that eventually it's going to get there. Our women's national team has done a really good job for advocating soccer in the United States. And now that our men's team is starting to improve a little bit, you're starting to see little kids' eyes kind of open. Instead of everyone staring at LeBron James, they're like, oh, I think I can do that too. So it's cool. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, how important is it just because, like you said, that kids see LeBron James on mm-hmm. TV. They see Patrick Mahomes, like all right. the, the football players and basketball players. But it feels like you don't see that on TV or ESPN quite as much soccer. So, I mean, how important is that, just the imagery? Right. Well, I'm not trying to be ugly, but our the MLS is not the highest level of soccer that you see. And um, the Premier League over in um, Europe and, honestly, the Spanish League, the Italian League, all of those leagues over there are where you see top-level soccer, German League, things like that. And um, that's not shown on TV as much just because it's not watched as much, not in America. Um, so they have so much more access to just kind of the more mainstream sports that you would see. But, again, now that our women's national team it has become infamous for all of their success and um, our men's national team is starting to climb in the ranks a little bit, we're starting to see clubs across the United States come out of those. So in Europe, there's a club team like Tottenham, like Chelsea, like Man U, like City, and they have a club all the way down to where they're developing kids literally from like the age of eight. Here we have club teams, but they're just now in like the last few years since the MLS has risen in uh, popularity. They're just now putting those clubs together. So it's just like we're a little bit behind in the mm-hmm. soccer world compared to everything over there, but it's just like the same as football. There's, football doesn't even exist over there, so it's kind of the same thing. It's just the most popularized sport in kind of that area, and we're starting to kind of catch on to it a little bit. But imagine if LeBron James decided to play soccer instead of basketball. That would be insane. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> well, what role does uh, college-level soccer play in this system? Is it sort of like college football going to the NFL or – how does that work? Do kids? Yes and can, no. Can they skip the college? Yes. So that's the difference between us in Europe and that. Since developmentally, they have uni, which is like their university, their college. But a lot of the kids that um, are in those club scenes and they're making the first and the second teams, like the reserve teams for the actual club, and they have an opportunity to literally play for the club. Um, I'm not saying they don't go to college, but I'm not saying it's not as prominent as you would see a person going to college to play soccer and get an education they can do both it's just not the same and their lives are literally dedicated to soccer it's almost like even at a really young age they're professional athletes because they are training constantly there's they have access to resources that you wouldn't even believe because they get to use facilities that have been there and have been developed and updated for literally decades and um, as soon as we can in America, continue to establish and update and develop our club teams within um, the actual clubs that are playing in the MLS other than WSL right now, you're going to see a lot more kids becoming involved. And um, really just in general, once we can kind of catch up, I mean, it's almost going to be impossible because they're so far ahead of us and everyone who plays wants to play quality soccer at the highest level, they go overseas to play. Um, even girls that I played with in college, 
they would graduate college and they would go overseas to play. They wouldn't stay and try and make the NWSL. Um, now, for the female side, the NWSL is actually really quality soccer. It's just not, well, number one, they don't get paid as much as they do overseas. And um, there's a lot more incentives overseas, and um, pay is obviously better, but also there's a lot of travel involved. And, I mean, it's really easy to travel around the United States. We've been here forever, but it's also for the experience that they go over there and do that. So um, playing overseas for the female side is a little bit kind of easier to do, if you will, because they have so many leagues. I mean, it's not not easy for the male side, but um, it's a lot harder to get into a higher level of soccer on the male side overseas and than it would be kind of here. Yeah, and it's interesting um... – because like you, like you say, you go to maybe overseas to find more opportunities yeah. in soccer. For other sports like basketball and football, maybe it's they the come, opposite. They right, come here. Right. You know? And that's just because soccer is their number one sport. We're kind of split depending on what part of the, the United States you're in. But if you're in the South, it's 100% football. Oh, yeah. 100%. Definitely. Do you hear from uh, college recruiters come look at your kids at PG? So at the moment, since I'm a little bit disconnected from that world, because in the strength and conditioning world, we don't really – involve ourselves in the recruiting process we're kind of a we're kind of our own entity we're involved in every sport but we're not directly involved with the recruiting process things like that but there is a um it's a website or an app I'm not sure but it's been developed it's called field level and it's allowed me to get connected and just kind of see who is with where so that once the um season continues and we get into district games I'll actually start inviting those coaches to come watch I'll tell them kind of what they're they can put on the website what they're looking for, whether they're looking for a center back, a wing back, whatever they're looking for. And that gives me an, an, the ability to kind of make myself aware of what I have, what they need, and just try to plug kids' names in and get people's names out there. So um, that's kind of the main thing that I'm using now. But I still have a few connections um, in the coaching world. They're just kind of spread out, or some of them have quit coaching or they've retired now. So um, it'll be a little bit more difficult, especially because – in the past, we haven't had great results um, over the whole season, and obviously we haven't won a whole lot of district games that have been really impactful against quality teams. So we'll get to the winning part first, and then people will kind of want to come. But it's very rare nowadays that you see college coaches at high school games. Yeah. When I was when I was in high school, it was kind of fading out, but now it's all about club teams, and they'll travel to those huge tournaments and – literally all over the nation, and they'll basically be able to scout 200 athletes instead of 10, depending on kind of what sides they're looking at and how the quality of player is overall. So the club level for soccer is kind of the best way to go in regards to trying to get to the collegiate level or getting recruited. But um, if you're good enough, they'll find you. It doesn't really matter where you are or what club team you play for. Um, we when I, I got a scholarship to play at Tyler Junior College, and we ended up playing in two national championships and we won one of them. So if you're if you're good enough, they'll if someone people talk, especially in the coaching world, we're all kind of connected to each other in that sense. So they'll they'll find you wherever you are. Yeah. And so just backtracking a little bit, kind of as a new coach coming into a new situation like this and you said, you know, there are some improvements to be mm-hmm. made. Just talk about some of like what are the some of the first things on the checklist as far as like establishing a culture, things that you mm-hmm. try to establish as soon as you get in. So Culturally, I would say there was a lot of missing pieces. There are a lot of things that the guys are really, really good at, and there was a lot of things that they were not good at. So, for example, discipline, trying to install what it's like to be punctual, um, characteristic things, 
how how that applies to being disciplined. Um, we've been talking a little bit recently about nutrition, about hydration, about taking care of your bodies, whether that's getting treatment, whether it's this, whether it's that. So there was a lot of um, discipline things in that, in that kind of characteristic that we wanted to install first. And then after that, it was more about unity. Um, a lot of what they've seen in the past has just been a little bit of division between the actual players. And there wasn't anyone who really wanted to pursue them and pursue and pursue the idea of an actual team. And then after that, it's just the belief part. And I say this literally in every single one of my interviews. Whenever you are 14 to 18 years old and you don't win a lot of games, it's really hard to genuinely believe every time you step on the field that you're going to win. And so getting them to understand that winning starts with work and work starts with work ethic. And then work ethic comes from your discipline and making every touch count, making every rep count in the weight room, making every second we're conditioning, making every second we're doing team building, making every second that we try to get involved, whether it's like community service or things like that, literally all of it counts and it's all going to make a difference. And I tell them literally almost every day that I guarantee you there's not a whole lot of teams in our district or really in the state of Texas that are going above and beyond like we are because I have push them and I've pushed and I've pushed and I've pushed and they, some of them may fall, but they get right back up. And I'm telling them that that's what matters because at the end of the district, when everyone's tired, when everyone's not necessarily ready for it to be over, but they're just ready to see what happens. That's when we're going to, that's when we're going to strive and continue to rise. And that's when we're going to be the ones that kind of shine because we're going to have just a different mindset, a different ability to do things, even more fatigued, Either, even when we're just kind of beaten up, that's kind of when we're going to be above and be able to win a lot of games that maybe we wouldn't have in the past. Just to give you a little credit here, when I when I interviewed uh, Coach McCarthy or mm-hmm. Texas High before the game, one of the first things he mentioned when I asked him um, things to prepare for for y'all he's, is he said, I know they're going to be in great shape. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems like you got the conditioning part down well. <laughs> well, that's that's the easy part because um, any, anyone can make them can make players, athletes run. But running with a purpose and trying to give them, condition them for actual game activity. And the game of soccer is a lot different nowadays than it was before, and it's a lot more requiring. And fitness levels have to be above the bar. And um, the guys will tell you this, I, we ran a lot. <laughs> and we ran really hard. So um, if there's anything that I do trust in, and they, and they truly believe this too because they know the work they put in, is that they, we are going to be physically superior. We may not be bigger but we're going to be more powerful, we're going to be stronger, and we're going to be more fit, and that's another thing that's going to play to our advantage big time. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you've got things uh, going in the right direction up there. I sure hope so. <laughs> we're going to keep an eye on the season and see if that prediction comes through. Yes. Uh, Absolutely. Thanks again for taking some time to talk to us today. Yeah, of course, it was really fun. interesting. We'll be in touch. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. On the Line is a Texarkana Gazette podcast recorded in Star Bear Studio, right here in downtown Texarkana, USA. The show was written, produced, and edited by Carl Richter. News stories are based on Gazette staff reports. Texarkana Gazette podcasts are made possible in part by a grant from the Google News Initiative Journalism Emergency Relief Fund. I'll see you next week on the line.